One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast and radio show that brings out the storyteller and our guest with the help of songs that have become bound to their memories. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike and Irie. Our guest this week is Don Bellamarch. Dr. Don Bellamarch is president and CEO of Collaboratory in downtown Fort Myers, which used to be the Southwest Florida Community Foundation. She says she leads a passionate and diverse team of possibility makers who are committed to coordinating efforts to solve Southwest Florida social problems on an 18-year deadline. Originally from New Jersey, Don moved to Cape Coral a few years ago and joined Lee Health as the system leader for the Behavioral Health Division. Prior to coming to Southwest Florida, her previous roles included Senior Vice President of Clinical and Operational Excellence, Chief Executive Officer, and Executive Director at Recovery Centers of America, a national addiction treatment provider. Dawn holds a doctorate in Business Administration and Leadership and has dual master's degrees in Sociology, Criminology, as well as Mental Health Counseling. We sat down with her in the podcast studio at Collaboratory. Hey there, Don. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having us. We are in the podcast room at Collaboratory in downtown Fort Myers. This is a great facility. How's it been being here thus far? (laughs) It's been incredible. We are very fortunate to have this studio, but I've been in my role for about four and a half months. Ironically, the first time I'm using this studio is with you. So, (laughs) your fur baby, what kind of fur baby is it? Is it a cat or a dog? It's a cat. Okay. Male. His name is Manny. Is Manny named after anybody? No, he, I don't want to say he had the name when we adopted him, but I was going with a, we had three other cats at the time, so more of a diversity vibe. So full name Manuel, nickname Manny. Wow, Manuel. Mm -hmm. I looked it up and there's actually a pizzeria, a deli, and a diner in New Jersey called Manny's. So I was hoping that you like used to shop there and loved it so much you named your cat after No, I have eaten there though, but I did not. (laughs) Manny is a totally separate vibe for sure. So you have eaten at Manny's? Yes. Wow, that's hilarious. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you grew up in New Jersey, whereabouts, and how would you describe the musical background of that growing up? I grew up in, it's Central Jersey, if you're a believer that Central Jersey exists, in Tom's River, Lacey Township. And, you know, it was unique. My mom had me at 20, 20, 21 years old. So I was the oldest of four. And my mom really was interested in the music of the time. So I got a lot of Brian Adams, Hootie and the Blowfish. We had one of those big speaker systems in the living room. And I remember when she was cleaning the the shuffle, the dish shuffle. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of different music. She loved Boston. She loved Kansas. So definitely a late 70s, early 80s vibe um, that really carried through with me and some of my musical taste, I think. If I ask you to try to go back and remember an early musical memory that has, you know, something about music in it, even if it's listening to it or just anything, what pops into your head? Immediately when you said that, Hootie and the Blowfish, that, and I'm sorry, Hootie, not a big fan of Hootie in the group, like Darius Solo. 
Um, but cleaning the house, it's eight o'clock in the morning, and that song comes on that was on replay on every yeah. radio station. All I want to do. Yeah, all I want. Exactly. <laughs> it's that is the first. You know, I. I try not to overthink a question, and as soon as you ask that, I'm cleaning the living room with that that music blaring in the background. We're trying to get Hootie on the show. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I would. I love Darius Rucker, so I, I would know, be it's down. Actually, Darius, but we have a running. Like call Hootie. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we, we have I a, think he prefers that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think he'd probably get up and walk out. <laughs> um, so. Um, you have four or three younger brothers, right? Yes. Did you influence their musical tastes at all? Um, I don't know about that. I think they are very into hardcore music is what I think the kids are calling it. I call them kids forever. Um, they like screaming music that I will never be able to get down with. So I, I feel like I try to send them songs that will influence them, and I'm having very little luck. Um, but they definitely did not influence me. I cannot listen to that type of music. I'm confused when I listen to but it. But back when you were younger, were you were they at all looking to you for music when you were kids? A little bit. I you think. know, you were kind of you're, you're you know you were setting you were modeling things right, to some degree. Right. Well, I have a brother that's less than a year younger than me, so uh, we're almost so you guys Irish are twins, parody, yeah, right? So we're the same, and then eight and nine years younger. So. I think with the brother that is so close in age, I can always remember to listening to like JRZ on the radio and all the music of that time. And I think impacting each other because we were so close in age. My brothers, by the time they were of age, I was going to college. So I don't think as much as I would have liked to in my older age now, I definitely send them songs. They don't seem to be buying in. But I, it's not for a lack of effort. I continue to try. The road's not over it's yet. It's never over for me. No. Uh, what was the first band or musician that you sort of identified with yourself that didn't come through your folks or something like that? Again, first thought that comes to my head is going to be a sad one for many, but I was Britney Spears' generation. Oh, that's not sad. No. no we she, embrace everything. I love me some Britney Spears. She's my favorite. But it was something around being a, a coming of girl, like early adulthood woman, and this incredible female comes out. She's dancing and she's singing and she's in a classroom with some weird outfits on. I um, think I have a memory of that. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah. Many, my brothers probably have that memory too. But she is, till this day, I'm a big Britney Spears fan because she was like a coming of age artist for me. Hmm. Do you remember the first music that you owned that you could hold in your hand that you either bought or asked for for a gift? These are such great songs. Okay, two things came to my head. Jules' first cassette tape. Oh. Um, I forget the main. It was that great album that came out. You Were Meant For Me was on there. You, yeah, okay. That, that tape. And LaBouche. I had that on CD. Did you? Oh, yeah. LaBouche Be My I Lover. I love Jewel. I'm not ashamed to admit. You should not be. She's incredible. <laughs> yeah. She's the best. She's from Alaska. Is she? Yeah. Oh. Homeless scene. I know a little bit about her. <laughs> she. That was a great one. And then I had a LaBouche cassette. And LaBouche was like, be my lover, want to be my... It was a dancey, late 90s vibe. Those are the two first cassette tapes that I had. Did Go ahead. No. And maybe New Kids on the Block before then. Okay. Do you make mixtapes? I did. This is when you would download on the re- – you would record on the radio? Yeah. I did. I had some really good mixtapes. Did you ever make a mixtape for a boy hoping you'd woo him with your musical stylings? I want to be so cool right now and lie to you, but the answer is 100% The therapist can use I have to be truthful at all moments. The therapist just won't tell. I, I was sporty. <laughs> I was certainly not trying to pursue the boys with my mixtapes. What were you making mixtapes for then? Just songs that you liked? Yeah, it's the music piece always, like I always heard the words Mm. for songs. And it always, 
it just felt relatable. And when you make a mixtape, if you're going to go play soccer or if you're going to be hanging out at home, it always had the vibe that it was trying to set. So I was a big fan of recording off the radio. Do you still do that with like Spotify and stuff? Now that it's like just you just push some buttons yeah. instead of having to like sit there with your timing right. Yeah, I not as much. Yeah, I just download them now and listen to them. But I will tell you, it's music is still a huge part of who I am. It's just become easier to access it. Yeah. Uh, musical instruments, any, any being played around the house, you play any? No and no. I think I try to year the clarinet, um, but I was a sporty girl, so I did not do any of that. And none of my brothers played instruments. Soccer, your primary sportiness? Yes. Yeah? Very what position so. do you play? A striker, goal scorer. Wow. You score a lot of goals? I scored my fair share of goals, yes. Okay. Uh, well, we'll get further into like high school and, and where you probably scored more goals, but let's do your first song, mm. uh, okay. which is the Bob Seger song. Would okay. you like to tell a story? Would you like to listen to it? I think I'd like to listen to it. All right. This is Don Bellamarch's first song here on Three Song Stories. We're on location at the Collaboratory in downtown Fort Myers, where she leads the team as president and CEO. This is Against the Wind by Bob Seger from his 1980 album of the same name. Man, that is a goodie. It, um, it's the theme song of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, when I, I actually tell my husband this. It's like life in acts. And it, you know, I always used to say this growing up with a series of things I faced. I always felt like there was a strong headwind moving against me. So, you know, at a normal person's rate, I'm running 10 times as fast, right, just to keep up. And it's a lot of factors behind that. But it's, um, it, it's childhood, the, discom- the uncomfortable middle, right, where you're figuring it out all the way through this life that you live where you have all these priorities and different things. And it, it's a goodie. Do you remember back when you would have first heard it? I mean, is that a song that you remember hearing all the way back? Because that song was like everywhere. I don't know how old you are, but I haven't, I'm not a Bob Seger fan. I haven't heard that song in ages. I knew every word. And I even knew at the end when he does the little things, mm-hmm. I'm like, I know this is where the Cowboys <laughs> like come in. Yeah. <laughs> I, so it's so funny. So it came out in 1980, which I wasn't born until a few years after that, full transparency. I remember the first time the song had the meaning to me. I was 17 years old. I was leaving home to go to college. Um, interesting childhood. Um, and it was like that feeling of freedom. I was in my silver Mazda Miata that I had worked at Boston Market for four years to afford car payments for. Ah, I used to love Boston Two-seater, Market. Two-seater, yeah, Boston Market, <laughs> mashed potatoes. Um, and it, came, it was the first song that came on as I was leaving the house. Mm. And since that time at 17 years old through now, I probably play it every Saturday while I'm outside hanging out or when it comes on the car. It always reminds me of the acts of life and what it is like to feel like, you know, you're always moving very fast against this wind and the challenges. And, you know, it's interesting now. I saw myself in the first act of that song when I'm driving away in the Miata. And now just listening to it, I'm in act three. Mm. You know, so it's the best. When you were leaving um, in the Miata and you heard this song, were you reflecting on it having resonance right then in that moment? And did you see maybe this transition as being something where you might get some tailwind? You know what I mean? 
Good question. I remember in the moment being very emotional when I heard it. I knew the song, right? So it's, you know, I grew up in a family where we played music, so I knew of the song. But it was the first time it hit me as having meaning for me. Hmm. I think, you know, with a lot of experiences I've had through my life, I've always felt like there was this it was a lot of it was a lot of work, you know, like it was a lot of things to get through. And the song just always has that meaning to me. Like there's nothing that more embodies a struggle than when you're riding your bike through a 30 mile an hour wind, right? In the wrong direction. Like, and that song in that moment made me think something that now makes, it makes me think opposite, right? It's a different version of life I'm at, but it always was that song I identified with stages mm-hmm. and moving to the next stage. What'll be interesting is, is listening to that song 30 years from now. Yes. You know what I mean? That's the beauty of, you know, really great songs is they'll come to you where you are and be a new thing or bring out new things from you. And that's one. I think that's a great example. Yeah. It's just the words are so even though it's a male, right, it's a male perspective and it's clear. It's so significant to who we are in acts of life, right? It's that early adolescence where you're just rogue and you're making friends and, you know, falling in love and doing these things. And then that middle part where you're figuring it out. And then the end where our calendars are packed 13 deep and we're paying bills and we're raising families and it's the stages of life. Mm -hmm. It's a real goodie. So you mentioned sporty. Mm -hmm. Is that like the, 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 the bucket you fell into in high school? Were you like, you know, one of the jock kids? Yeah, I mean, I was a a soccer player. I was an athlete for sure. I was class president and I was, had a good GPA. Were you a good soccer player? Were you like a starter for four Mm -hmm. years basically? Yeah, I I was an all-state soccer player. I went to college and played soccer. Um, So I was in that bucket. I think I definitely was, liked school. You know, I didn't struggle with that and had friends. Um, Pretty... Sad, like sullen kid. I'll, I'll give you some perspective. I was voted class pessimist of my high school class, mm. um, which will be a shock to everyone on this team. I hope they're not. Was listening. it a shock to you at all <clears throat> when you were voted that, or were you no. like, oh, they nailed it? No, they're like, well, they see me. Um, I was pretty negative. I was pretty, you know, depressed. I I definitely had a lot of challenges as a young person. So it was more jokey. I mean, I don't even think they should vote on class pessimist. It seems yeah. a little counterproductive. Probably aren't allowed to, to these days. The therapist in me is quite triggered by yeah. it. But um, yeah, it was it was interesting. I was definitely a perfectionist trying to do all the right things um, to essentially get in that Miata and go down the road. You know, that was a lot of what the work was early on. Um, musical scene in high school, if I'm doing the math right, would have been mid nineties. Grunge was everywhere. Was that kind of where you were too? Zero percent. Um, good. Me too. Mid nineties. I, I, I I missed it all. I still can't get down with it. I, I never, if I didn't love Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters, I never would have listened to Nirvana. I had no interest. We did have Lincoln Park. It was when Lincoln Park and Jay-Z were doing their thing. Um, but I was definitely a country music. I grew up very country. So there was a country scene with the Allens and Reba's early 90s. And I would say Biggie, Tupac. Um, that was more before I went to college. But 0% grunge. I have, even to this day, it does nothing for me. Nothing. Uh, school dances? Yeah, we had them. Um, as more of like a tomboyishy, sporty person, I would dress the part. Wasn't really my thing. I do know that a Green Day song was my prom song. Oh. Time of our life. That was time of our lives. That would be a good prom song. Yes. Do you remember your first dance? No. No? 
That's okay. <laughs> so these are fun questions. Uh, was the Miata your first car? No. What was your first car? When I was 16, the first car I got was a Chrysler Cavalier Blue, one front seat. Um, I think it was $900. That I was, sounds like a great Jersey first car. It was a great car, <laughs> but I felt like I was a little too special for that car because uh, I was working so much. So I think I treated it in. I got a Kia Tracker Red. I had like four or five cars, hmm. um, and I was making car payments in high school. Oh, wow. Yes. You were doing it all. I was ready to go. You know, I was ready for the next the next step. Did you do anything uh, artsy in in high school? Um, not really. I mean, writing wise, I I had an uncle that was an English teacher, so I definitely wrote. But I have very little creative art ability. Um, it was always physicality. You said you went and played soccer while you were in college. Did you see that as a pursuit for you in life, or was that just a means to an end and you had other dreams? I love that question. Um, so I played in the same region with Carly Lloyd. I grew up with Carly Lloyd. So when I went to college, year one, it became very, like, I was acutely aware of the fact that I wasn't going to be good enough to be at that level. Um, I think early on, I probably wanted to make a career of it, but by sophomore year of college, I was like, okay, what am I going to do with my life? I actually stopped playing into my junior year to go get academic, you know, that direction. But I had this sense that I will have to be incrementally better, right, to keep up with these individuals. So it fell off the radar. Hmm. Where'd you go to college? Stockton in Stockton. Jersey, South hmm. Jersey. What'd you uh, major in? I was a chemistry major at first. Hmm. Um, I wanted to be a forensic scientist. And I ended up going for criminal justice because I was working at a prison. So I've changed it. How did, you know, you, you obviously then went on to, you know, therapy, addiction, treatment and recovery, <laughs> all that stuff. Like when did that pivot happen for you? Yeah. Was, it, was it not till grad school? Was it? So I was a diehard X-Files fan growing up. Okay. Um, uncomfortably so. So you wanted to be uh, Scully. Uh, Scully. Yeah, I didn't really love her. I loved Fox Mulder. Um, to this day, I talk about Did X-Files. Did you want to like, be Fox Mulder? I wanted to be married to him. Um, I don't know if I wanted to be him. But, you know, that's probably what a lot of people would have high school memories of me from because it was a very, it was like a comfort for me. So my goal was to be in the FBI. Um, I went for the bachelor's degree with the intent of doing that and went through some of the process. It was when I was at St. Joe's in Philly for my master's degree that I was working at a prison, and <clears throat> I fell in love with the people part of it, really happenstance. Um, I met somebody who had, I think, 34 or 35 children by 30 different women and was in prison, and it was very triggering for me in a way that I didn't really understand, and I started getting really interested in exploring that. And that is how I stumbled into therapy. Hmm. Um, do you have any musical memories associated with your time in college? Maybe concerts that that happened during those years or anything like that? Yeah. It was when Dave Matthews was on the scene. Ah, Dave. I was doing a lot of Dave. He, he only gets one name for us Dave. Here. Okay. All right. He yeah. is Dave in these walls. There was a lot of parking lot <laughs> parties with Dave. Yeah. Um, I saw Nelly Furtado at the Electric Factory in Philly before she popped off. So I, I remember going there. Um, yeah, Collective Soul Live I saw at that time. I mean, I was going to a lot of concerts from like 20 to 26. But Dave, I probably saw Dave Matthews six or seven times. So I'm three times. Yeah. 
good show. Yeah, he's he he gets the only people who don't like him, and Richard's going to laugh at me for this, but I think <laughs> I think a majority of the people who say he's no good have never listened to him. Yeah, or the words. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was just like a coming of age thing because I was into country and it was segueing out. So I would go see Keith Urban and these other country performers. But the Dave show was always good quality. It was a, a time. It was like an experience. Um, so a lot of Dave Matthews in that time. Um, <clears throat> so you mentioned that you you would go into Philly. Uh, how far were you from Philly? So Atlantic City and Philly are an hour down the expressway. Okay. Did you ever make it up to like uh, Manhattan or anything during those era during that era for for good times of some kind? <laughs> Didn't really hang out in New York, but I know I went. I actually did not go to New York until I was a full blown adult. Hmm. I did not go as a child, even though it was two hours from my house. Um, so didn't spend a lot of time there. More Philly. We're definitely more Flyers, Eagles, Phillies fans. So that was more our scene was the Philly region. Hmm. My daughter's going to college in Philly right now. Really? She's Where? a freshman, UArts. Oh, that's an amazing school. Yeah, she's a freshman musical theater major at UArts. Good for her. What an incredible school. Yeah. She's going to have a time there too. She's having a time. She's having a time, yeah. Um, so let's do your second song. Okay. Which is the uh, Christina Aguilera song, mm. which I just learned that. Did I say it right, Richard? <laughs> Richard's laughing at me. I can see out of the corner of my eye. No, that was good. That was like the diversity flair that he had on it. I don't know. All <laughs> I know is Accentuated the Aguilera. I saw a picture of her on Reddit the other day with her and three other musicians, and she was like a foot shorter than all of them. Yeah. And then I looked it up, and the other ones were like 5'5". Five, five. So mm. she must be like this big. Yeah. Is she like this big? She is. She's little. And she's Britney <laughs> Spears' genre, too. So it's a little yeah, ironic yeah, that yeah. this song has meaning to me over you a Britney. You say your name for me. Christina Aguilera. Okay. I, I put a gua Richard in there, Ye? didn't I? <laughs> Thank you, Richard. <laughs> he said both are fine. Uh, okay. So so how would you like to proceed with this one? Let's listen to the song first. <clears throat> okay. This is Don Bellamarch's second song. This is Fighter by Christina Aguilera. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> from her album uh, Stripped, released in 2002. This is Three Song Stories, Biography Through Music. So what's the story? Oh, it's a good one. These are good. Th- I'm, it's like I picked them. <laughs> it's like you had a control <laughs> it's almost like over, I control which over this. Yeah. songs we play. But I feel it the minute it comes up. It's like that. The first thought to me was an early relationship, like my early 20s that just went south and like just not a great relationship. And a lot of my philosophy of life, which is just like, okay, it's going to make me harder, better, faster, stronger. And it was like the early 2000s power anthem of overcoming and persevering. And every time now I had a, a bad job at one point and it like comes on at the right time as the reminder that you're a fighter. You know, I you have to ask. Are you a Daft Punk fan? I like Daft Punk. Because you specifically said harder, better. Oh, faster, that's a great song. Stronger. Yeah. That is that is my generation, Richard. So you hit it right on the head. Yes. I have no idea what you're talking about. Daft Punk? <laughs> no, I I know the name. <laughs> you know the song too, because it was so it was playing nope, everywhere. No, he he doesn't. I guarantee I it. don't really swim in most mainstream circles. Wasn't that also Rivers. Kanye though? Such a good tune. See, Richard see... and I are on the same page. Yeah, well, that's why he's here. That's <laughs> <laughs> why we cover all You're the like, bases. Yeah. He and I are like yin and yang. I love that. Um, uh, <laughs> did you ever see her in concert? I didn't. I saw Britney Spears in concert. Yeah. Um, I have never seen her in concert. I would love to, though. She's extremely talented. I think she spends a lot of time overseas now. Um, but she had that song. That gets me fired up every time. Do you ever pull it out these days? 
I would say recently, like if I'm working out and it comes on, it brings me back to like younger dawn with more energy um, and more desire to be a fighter. But it it's another song where the words are just spot on, right? Like anyone that tries to do something wrong to you or anything that happens, it just, you fight, you're a fighter. You've mentioned words and music a bunch of times. We've had a bunch of guests who like don't even listen to the words at all, mm -hmm. but you are obviously not like that. Yeah, I married that person. Okay. So I think- You guys have your own yin and yang there. Yeah, well, opposites attract because yeah. two of me together is not ideal um, <laughs> for anyone. But I noticed it actually through him was- you know, he's downloading songs because he's like, I love how it sounds. And I am only listening to the words. Mm. You know, it could be the worst instrumental of all time. And if the words are impactful, that, you know, I always say I like really slow songs or really loud sound songs. There's no middle. Um, what would be the overlap of the Venn diagram between your music and his music? Where do you guys agree the most? 70s, 80s Yacht Rock is our Venn yeah. middle of the ground. And it's good layout. By the pool music. Christopher Cross. Criss Cross Sailing, all of it. <laughs> um, a little America, you know, it's, I think that that's where we're at. He is 10 years older than me. So even his R&B and like rap taste is 10 years before my time. And though great, not for me. Um, so it's, that is our, that's where we cross paths. Where is the outside of the circles of the Venn diagram? Where are you furthest apart? Like, Let's just talk about Christina Aguilar and Britney Spears. I mean, he likes them, but like never would he be playing a song. He likes them for you. He, yeah, he likes them for me. He's like, you go have that. Um, I'm a deep, I have like deep country roots because I was raised on it. He likes mainstream kind of country, you know, but he's getting, I would say it's coming more over to the mutual then. Okay. Um, but that's in anything R&B and rap that was like late 80s, early 90s just wasn't my time. Like I missed it. Uh, did you do your master's degrees at the same college you did your bachelor's? No. I got my bachelor's at Stockton. I got my first master's degree at St. Joe's in Philly. I got a second master's degree at Capella, and which was online. And then I got my doctorate at Walden. Mm. Should I call you doctor? No. Please no? don't. No, it's fine. Only my husband and my brothers, I may call me that. And you got your, uh, you got your, your, your master's in sociology, criminology. You got also a master's in mental health counseling. And you got your doctorate in business administration and leadership. And your dissertation was called Strategies to Improve Employee Motivation and Addiction Treatment. That's right. Look at See? you. So many things written down there. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit before we get to how you wound up here. Let's talk about like the arc between... You know, your, your, what was your first job? Let's start there. Boston like, Market. Your, like your, no, I mean your first job oh. in the field in which you had then trained yourself for. So I would say the prison job in Jersey was the first. It was case management. It wasn't as th clinical therapy. But after that, I worked at a nonprofit mental health organization for nine years. I started as a counselor in a school-based program and then left as a vice president. Was that the Recovery Centers of America? No, that was my last job. Family Service Association was before then. Gotcha. Yeah. You were there for nine years. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I really grew up there. I was young 20s. I think I left there early 30s and then went to Recovery Centers of America. Gotcha. So talk some about that world. And what I'm wondering is, is you've been around. I mean, you're kind of, I'm sure the collaboratory has some overlaps with it, but you're not really in that world yeah. right now. Um what I want is just, and we don't have to go too far down this road, I just want you to reflect a little bit about, like, you know, we've seen a huge spike in mental health issues, and on the other side, on the addiction side of things, 
you know, what's it been like for you to see fentanyl come along to where now it's like it's a disaster. Yeah. No matter how bad it was before, it's a real disaster now. Yeah. Not to bring us down. But, no, it's, you know. it's real. I mean, I've spent the last 15 years of my life in addiction treatment primarily. I've lost countless friends and family members to overdoses. Um, it's not, I mean, it's an important topic because it's really something that I, I communicate about a lot. Watching fentanyl come onto the scene was so life-altering as a clinician because you, you feel so helpless. Um, you know, I watch people that come to treatment with fentanyl on them and they die in treatment. I have watched people that leave after 30 days clean and die the next day. I've watched people that have 10 years clean that use once and don't come back. So it's very real. It's very painful to me to watch. I think as a society, we have a real responsibility to look at why people are having such increase in mental health and addiction issues. Um, it's not because they're bad people or because they can't get it together or they're not trying hard enough. It's because, you know, society is a little bit of a struggle right now, right? And, you know, from the minute you're born, you're being compared and contrasted to everybody else. So. I have a lot of opinions. I won't go down my rabbit hole on this, um, but it's a travesty. I mean, it was, I moved down here to take a job for, in behavioral health, and then obviously coming to collaboratory, which we'll get to, is, is different. But it's, it's really not, because mental health is one of the biggest priorities we have in this region. So there's a lot of merch. Because Florida does a really bad job, generally speaking. 49th out of 50. And we don't do necessarily. We're better than Collier, for what I've learned recently, yeah. but not by much. Right. Um, so did you come down here for the Lee Health job? Yes. Did you know anything about Southwest Florida? <laughs> so we had had, my husband has a business partner that lived in Cape Coral. We had come down here to visit um, from like 2013 maybe on. And in 2017, we actually purchased the property. Okay. So you didn't just show up with your suitcases. <laughs> no, I did show up three days before Hurricane Ian to move here, though. Wow. <laughs> so I I did show up with suitcases, but I had an idea of the area. I've certainly learned a lot more since then, but it was so, I think one of the things that I loved about it was it was so tremendously different from where I'm from. You know, the Northeast and Southwest Florida couldn't be more opposite. Um, and I'm grateful. It's a really great community. It just took me some some time to learn. What were your first impressions when you, not necessarily when you moved down, but when you started coming down? Do you remember what your first impressions of, of mm -hmm. Southwest Florida were? Yeah, I used to call this the place we go to vacation when we want just quiet. Ah. Like, I remember being in Cape Coral being like, what do we have ourselves here? <laughs> it was so laid back. It was so older. It was older, right, demographically. Um, but it just felt like this peacefulness that up in the Northeast felt much like a hamster wheel. Life was so busy, so busy. Um, and it was always the place we came to be quiet. So if you came here three days before Ian, um, did that disrupt your onboarding at Lee Health? Yes. Am I using the right word? Yes. I'm trying to use, no, that's perfect. I'm trying to use a word that would fit into your paradigm. It's, it's perfect. <laughs> uh, yes, it did. So I quit my whole life in the Northeast. I quit my job that I was at for six, seven years. And I moved down on September 25th. And on the 28th, is or 29th is when Ian hit and I didn't have a job. And so I was waiting on a call. I, my onboarding thankfully was pushed back a week, maybe a week and change, but it was nerve wracking for sure. What'd you do at Lee health? I ran their behavioral health division. Gotcha. And so mental health and addiction, mental health and addiction. You were there about a year. Yeah. Not a long time. Gotcha. How did collaboratory come on your radar? 
So seems like a great place to be. Oh, it's the best place. I'm so lucky every day. I'm I can't believe how lucky I am. I met Sarah Owen, the prior CEO and members of the team, really early on into my journey here. It was because Southwest Florida was so different than the Northeast with competition, with innovation and things like that. This was the hub for those things for me. Felt like there was another energy here. When I spoke with Sarah and the team, felt like they were doing something cool and forward thinking. Um, so when Sarah was stepping down, right, after her 12 years in the role, it just really came in my lap. And and I've had Sarah as a mentor the entire way along the road. She's, you know, definitely recommended this opportunity for me. And it's the best decision I ever made. We had Sarah on the schedule to do this, but then the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. That was how long ago. Well, her name is coming up, so don't worry. Okay, good, good. (laughs) I was hoping we get a chance to circle back around. Um, uh, Act as if we're at a cocktail party. You just met me, and somebody says, what do you do? Sarah's calling me. Is that uh, not Kismet? Answer, answer. Say, hi, Sarah. Put her on. Hi, Sarah. You're on the radio. Sarah. You are on the radio right now. We're recording three song stories, Sarah. Your, your, your name, name is, just came your name up 30 seconds up ago. Three song story and your name just came up, so I had to answer. <laughs> <laughs> and you are going to come on this next because I am dropping your name at the end of this, buddy. That's been done several times and it's so weird. I was supposed to do that. That's what he said. He is right here with you. I'm listening, and you're not being broadcast directly onto the radio, so don't worry. Right, we're recording it, and we'll play this back to embarrass you later. I'll call you when I get out of here. All right, bye. That was perfect. When we give the spiel, we always talk about phone calls, but it rarely happens. Wow. We were were just talking about her. We were just talking about her. That's great. So, so, you know, act as if we're at a cocktail party. I just met you, and I said, what do you do? And you said, I'm president and CEO of Collaboratory. And I say, what is Collaboratory? Go. Regional Community Foundation that takes philanthropic dollars to support the, the betterment of the whole. So is there a difference between what Collaboratory is and what the Southwest Florida Community Foundation was? So there's a difference in that we've evolved the mission. We do community foundation work, but instead of these, you know, small incremental donations out to nonprofits, we're now bringing public, private, and governmental partners together to try to make a bigger impact. It's all under the umbrella of a community foundation. It's just trying to do it bigger. Um, In uh, your description on the website, you use the word audacious commitment, audacious. Explain the audacity. Well, I mean, the idea of... Because you guys have like this big mission statement that's like, we're going to really make (laughs) some changes and we've set ourselves a deadline. Yeah. I mean, I think we did that to hold ourselves accountable and to say that, yes, it's uncomfortable for people to come together and get out of their silos and get out of their limiting beliefs of how things can be done. But the goal is, is that if we do come together, we can not only get more done, but we can actually change some of these social indicators and bring in outside funding to help us get it done. And it's it's starting to click with our region. Um, when Sarah launched it, it was certainly like, huh? You know, like there's we've always done it that way. Right. The scariest seven words in the English language. But now I think we're at a great point where people get it. They want to be about it. They had the feeling when I first came in here and met the team, which is wow, something really incredible is going on over there. I ran into Tessa out in the yeah. cafe earlier. So for Tessa, I'm just going to mention the Future Makers Coalition. Best of the best. I kind of have a pact with her that I'll always say Future Makers you are when a I have a maker. microphone You are a Future Maker. I am a Future That's Maker. That's right. We are all our Future Makers. I think I have a mug that says that. But I think, too, that the, you know, with Tessa, who is a rock star in her own right, that is really the proof of concept that we're launching all these other things under, right? Because 
you know, she's really demonstrated with the power of community and connection that we can get it done. Any musical element here? Is there, a, I mean, I didn't hear any music since I came in. Really? You know, that's an interesting thing. So it's funny you say this. Kim and her team obviously oversee the operations of our building, and there is always music playing here. Mm. When I first started, I thought for sure it'd be like a Publix kind of vibe with its like elevator music. And what I've heard is a lot of adult alternative and indie in here. So the other day, I don't know if you know the group Camp, C-A-A-M-P. They were just on the show recently. Really? I actually, yes, and I like them. It's one of my favorite songs that they have. Wow, this is a this is a kismet moment because who was it? It was um, somebody who was remote, and I liked it so much that I promised him I would go listen to them, and then I actually did, which never happens for me. Right? I do not expand my. Uh, Nick Walters. It was Nick Walters. He's a expand. he's a sommelier at the fanciest restaurant in New York City, hmm. and he played a camp song, and anyway. So they play camp. Well, it, sorry, it I'm does, just excited to hear. So camp I hear again. that all the debts I owe song, and I hear other songs by them, and it does feel like collaboratories musical vibe. Seems very indie alternative, and which I really, really love because I I love singer songwriter. The second one was all the debts I owe, the debts I owe. I owe by camp. The best song, and I listened to it with my daughter, and we were both like, "This is amazing." It is. That is so funny because nobody knows who that is when I say it. I listen to that song like once a week. And I'm the least likely person mm. to know something esoteric Incredible about tune. contemporary music. Incredible tune. Whoever chose that song, they're definitely, they're a Northeasterner, right? Oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah, definitely. It says a lot. Um, okay, part. so um, before we get to your third song, let's talk about concerts. Okay. Um, overlapping with that last question, um, does a collaboratory ever do any kind of like benefit concerty kind of stuff? Do you guys, I can see somewhere you having an event where there was music. Is that a thing? Yeah, we do night market four times a year. So night market is where food trucks, all the vendors that have small businesses come out, they set up out back. We have this incredible, Kim's going to be so mad at me, I forget the name of the group, but they're an incredible acoustic kind of rock group. Lineup. Yeah, it's like three three gentlemen, I forget their name. Is that their name, Lineup? Kim? The Lineup Band. The Lineup Band, shout out Kim. Um, but they are really fantastic, and Kim would have to speak if we do any other musical things here, but we definitely have live music here at Night Market. So in your life, do you have a peak concert experience that leaps to mind? For whatever reason, it could be because something super crazy happened or it could be because it was somebody you never thought you got to see, you know, that sort of thing. Two visuals. And after last year, I feel very fortunate. Fleetwood Mac mm. with everyone. Mm. Incredible. And then Stevie on her own. Mm. Just like one of those rare occasions. And now Christina, Christine McBee is no longer with us that you like feel fortunate to have seen. But Fleetwood Mac was an experience. I saw them in Atlantic City. I think. Hard Rock or Taj, maybe back in the day. Um, phenomenal. And Heart comes to mind, too. Heart. So good. Like, so good. Yeah. That mm -hmm. made sense, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I knew exactly what it was. Barracuda. <laughs> um, uh, do you ever have a chance to see uh, a relatively big act in a relatively small venue? I don't think like so. Nelly Furtado something. was like, you shoot, Nelly Furtado was when she was in the scene. It was like five years before she came out. Um, Stevie Nicks was in a hundred person venue. Well, that's, that totally falls into I that I mean, category. there was a hundred of us. It was very small. It was invite only. We had a friend of a friend and that was, I mean, she was incredible. Wow. How long ago was that? 
10, 11 years maybe. Was she still flowing? Yeah. She's okay. 100% with the dangles, with the bracelets. Okay. It was full on Stevie Nicks. Seems like she's never going to give up the She's flowing. not. It'd she be weird. Up. What if she came out like like yoga pants yeah, and a Yeah, like sweatshirt? tight jeans and a sweatshirt. <laughs> I'd be like, what happened? Um, <laughs> do you have a dream act to see live that's still out there making music? Oh, so many. Foo Fighters, for sure. Um, even though their drummer is, has passed away, which was a real bummer. Van Morrison was on my hit list. I saw him last year. Um, who else would I like to see? Um, nothing else is coming to mind. There are other people, though, but it would have to be like an indie-type group. Um, or camp. Just, yeah, I would love to see Camp. I really, really would. Does camp Tour? Richard, check out if Camp Tours. I don't know if they Two do. A's. Um, <laughs> Two A's. What if, um, what if I said Dream Act to see live and you could time travel? Journey with Steve Perry, mm. hands down. Yeah, my favorite group of all time. I've seen Journey four or five times, but with really? Arnell, yeah. Huh. They do not have upcoming events. Of course they don't. I have a I have a Journey story that we could tell afterwards. I can't we, wait. We don't need but to. But if I could time travel, Journey, Steve Perry. Oh, okay. So you just mentioned Van Morrison. Let's do your third song. Yes. Uh, before I ask you whether you want to do it or not, I have like the normal version that you would hear if you had a CD. But I also have a version that I found where somebody who's like an audiophile recorded the vinyl. So it may not sound as robust because it hasn't been remastered yeah. in like the last 20 years mm -hmm. like the other one. But you'll hear like a little bit of the clicks and pops. Which would you like to use? Clicks and pops, please. Okay. So now do you want to hear the song or do you want to tell the story? Let's hear the song. All right. This is our third and final song today for our guest on Bella March here at the Collaboratory. This is Into the Mystic by Van Morrison from his album Moondance, released in 1970. This is Three Song Stories. I listen to this song every day of my life almost. I love Van Morrison. Still? Yes. Um, the way it came to me, I worked. I was a bartender. It was my first job out of Boston Market and through grad school. And I worked at a bar that was very Yacht Rocky, and Van Morrison was played on repeat. And my brother, my brother who's less than a year younger than me, was a Marine who went overseas to Afghanistan. And I remember the first time I heard this song, and it still brings me back to it then, feeling like it was a very him song. Mm. Um, the song is very much like wandering and this idea of people coming back together and it has always just been his song for me. So it has a different connotation now. It makes me happy. It makes me hopeful. Um, but as a 20-year-old female, it definitely had a different vibe. Hmm. Does he know that about this oh, song? I, I send it to him every single week. He's so annoyed. He's, <laughs> he could not be more aggravated. But yeah, I, we're all best friends, all four of us. We talk mm. all the time. So he knows that this is his song. My husband knows that this is his song. And it... When we're out, you know, if we're out on the lanai over the weekend and it comes on, it's like a do not disturb moment. Like, do not speak, do not do anything. You said you saw Van Morrison? Yeah. Did he play this? Yes. Was it like a special moment? It was. He's probably a hundred and fifty. I did. Well, I sent him the video, and he again just didn't respond because he's my brother. Um, did but he, he didn't even send you the eye roll emoji. No, he does. They don't even tolerate me, you know, and the sister, <laughs> but. He did, and he sounds so incredible. Yeah. It was, he, and he played, he's into very, um, I forget the genre of music, but he had a full band behind them, and it was in Philly. And he was incredible. Hmm. It was so cool to see it. He was on the, the hit list. How long were you a bartender? Uh, 
I was a bartender from 18 to 23. Did you like it or tolerate it? I miss it every day. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. I don't miss the people. I get that. But I love the act of it. So you didn't leave that vibe because you were sick of it. You left because you were moving on to the next thing. Yeah, I had went to all the schooling, so I had to go grow up. Yeah. And also, you know, it's not exactly a scene for a healthy young adult. I mean, it definitely has its own characteristics. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I went and got my first professional job outside of bartending. Do you ever, like, uh, at a fundraiser, maybe get behind the bar, mix a few Jack and Cokes? I have. Yeah, I do it at home. <laughs> I mean, it's always – my husband was a bartender, too. So we have that in common. You'll always have it. It's a certain, you know, thing. And a lot of my friend group is still bartending, so. We haven't asked this question in a very long oh, time. I know. We kind of dropped off with it. I'm excited. I'm excited to ask it. Okay, so if you were a cocktail, not a drink that you like, but if your personality, who you are, mm-hmm. could be summed up and described in drink form, mm. um, what would that drink be? What would be in it? Two things came to mind. First was like an amaretto sour. Um, it used to be my favorite drink. I love the sweetness and saltiness of it. Like I like the two different. Is it pessimistic? Yeah, it's, and it's optimistic <laughs> too, right? If if you would tell anyone here that I was a pessimist, they would laugh at you because I'm so optimistic now. But it is that contrast between the two. Or maybe like a Long Island. You know, I like the idea of throwing everything in a glass and just seeing what happens with a splash of sour. All right, so what, what I need you to do is to customize these drinks, like make them unique in some way, and then uh, give them uh, names. Flavored vodka with some sour mix and like a splash of crayon, like a fruity good drink, and it's going to be named Cyclone. Got it. That's a good one. So vodka- I can see her, flavored, her wheels are turning. Flavored vodka. Well, this is an important <laughs> question for someone who's mixed drinks before. <laughs> Yeah, flavored vodka, like maybe a Stoli Raz or a Kettle Raz, little sour, little cran, like a sh- little splash, but contrasting the sweet and sour. The cyclone. The cyclone. Coming in, taking everything out, moving on. We actually have a, a database spreadsheet back at the station where we asked this question for like, you know, I don't know, 200 like times. Four years, yeah. We have a whole, like, we, we have the ability, if we ever get around to it, to making a Three Song Stories cocktail cookbook. Just about, that's such a good idea, though. I know, but. Were we there need, better than, what, what was a good idea? We like, need another one of us, though. Mm, we, we don't have enough of us to true. Uh, take some, on. I think Cyclone fits my personality. Uh, I was, uh, I helped run a place in downtown Fort Myers for about eight years called Liquid Cafe. It was on the corner of First and Hendry. And I didn't always bartend, but I did enough. And for me, it was like, I'd had enough. I like nothing novel was going to happen anymore. Like everything that might happen that was clever had happened 40 times and it was no longer clever. Yeah. It's no longer fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It wears out its welcome. But I think, and as I got older, because I was younger doing it, it had this mystique, like it was fun. Oh, sure. Oh, no, it was totally fun. But now I do miss it because there's like a, there's a very cool vibe by just seeing who the random person coming in is. I love the idea of a sparked up conversation that has nothing to do with anything. And then over cocktails, it's just, it's a pretty cool gig, I think. And it's kind of a stereotype, but there is a bit of overlap between being with somebody at the bar when it's not super busy, mm-hmm. and therapy. For sure. You're, I mean, this is why I am probably am a therapist. It's yeah. because some of my first jobs were that. But it, it I don't know. I Better hours and a little more money. Yeah, cash business. Yeah. That's a good business. It is a good business. <laughs> All right, you ready for a speed round? Okay, go ahead. Do you have a nickname that is stuck over the course of your life you'd be willing to share? 
I have quite a few. Mulder from growing up. Oh, all right. Um, D-Money. So you got the Mulder nickname. Oh, yeah. Okay. I was very, very obsessed. Yeah. D-Money, any other ridiculous D-money. one. Yeah, that Dawn doesn't rhyme with. My brothers have them, but they're curse words. Um, they probably have a lot of nicknames for me. But Mulder was one from growing up. When was the last time somebody called you Mulder? Uh, someone that I went to high school with connected with me on Facebook a couple weeks ago, and they messaged me that. <laughs> Now your entire staff knows this. I know, I know. <laughs> They're not allowed. Whoever's listening, not allowed. When was the last time you purchased music that had physical form? Hmm. I purchased Adele's first, not 19, 21. I purchased her album. Uh, like record? Yeah. Huh. Mm-hmm. So you have records at home? Yeah, I have a couple of them still at home, but I, they're in Jersey. Uh, and it was 21, so it wasn't her first, first album. It was the second one. Do you do karaoke? I'm down for karaoke. I can't carry a tune. You'll always see me with like a journey, don't stop believing, like a go-to. Um, but I have to be significantly under the influence in order for that to come out. What was your drink called? <laughs> the cyclone. A couple cyclones Four in. Four or five cyclones. Okay. I'm up there. I am Steve Perry. Four or five cyclones in. <laughs> <laughs> That's a promo, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) If you were a championship wrestler, what music would you enter the arena to? Uh, Listen, I got to say either Christina Aguilera Fighter or an Eminem. What is Eminem's song from 8 Mile? Lose Yourself? Is it Lose Yourself? Yeah, like a Lose Yourself. Like something that just, you know, ready to go. What would your wrestler name be? Cyclone. Hmm. We're going to say it's a drink. It's an, it's, an, it's an attitude. What about Mulder the Boulder? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a loser, like, and I don't like to lose. So if Mulder the Boulder is the best wrestler that ever lived, yes. If it's as dead weight as it sounds, hard no. <laughs> if you had to guess, what would you say is the song you've listened to the most times in your life? Maybe that Mystic song, because you just said you listen to it every day. Yeah, that one... Probably a journey, don't stop believing, like one of the the cliche ones. But it might be into the mystic at this point. Are you a reader? Yes. Most impactful book or book that has somehow stuck with you and informed you, fiction or non? Definitely Alchemist, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, Dale Carnegie. Yeah, I'm very into anything leadership related, but I like The Alchemist too. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No. And it's disgusting. Okay. It's wow. Gross. She just went right for it. Hot dogs I love freak this. me this out. This is the third time we've asked this question. We've gotten three different vibes of answers. Okay. So I will take my personal so you, feeling out of so, it. It is not a sandwich. Okay. So so you- uh, Leftover you, you, intestinals of some animals in between a roll is not a sandwich People make. who like hot dogs are audacious. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let the team know. <laughs> um, song you wish you could hear again for the first time ever. I got to go back to Into the Mystic. Album you wish you could hear for the first time ever? Mm. Oh, I automatically thought of the first time I heard the Fuji's CD when I was growing up and like all the songs on that. What activities or pursuits make you lose track of time the most? Working out. Um, most overplayed song of all time? Def Leppard, Pour Some Sugar on Me. Great answer. She's good at the speed round, Richard. <laughs> 
This is the fastest speed round. No, this is like speed is my mo. Ask around. Any songs you'll avoid listening to, not because you just don't like the way they sound, but because you just don't want to be brought to the place that they might trigger. Oh. Um, the therapist and you realizes this is kind of a cool, no, I have, cool question. No, it's good. I like it. Nickelback, Far Behind or Far Away. Early 2000s bop, but it was a breakup slammer mm. for me. And every time I hear it, and I love that song, it brings me back to that. If you could broadcast a song into the head of all humans in a collective moment, which would it be? I don't know the answer to that. It's a good question. And to all humans, and they have to hear it? Everybody no, it would be like time. it would be like uh, like in their head. Like suddenly, everybody would look at you and be like, "Are you hearing this?" And I think it's something cliche like "Journey, Don't Stop Believing," like something over the top cliche. Yeah, let's go with that. And then you know what else came to my head was Garth Brooks' "Friends in Low Places." Oh, I love that. Like something that's just like easy breezy. Let's all ah, get along. You said Garth Brooks, so now I get to tell my Garth Brooks trivia. Okay, hit me with it. You've summoned Chris Gaines. <laughs> you summoned. Being a 90s country person, I'm assuming that you're a Garth Brooks fan of some amount. Yes. He went through um, like this period where he created like a, like a fake persona, like a fictional um, singer named Chris Gaines. Um, and he, like they released uh, an album. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, But like the style was super different from his regular, I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was it was like um like emo, like alternative. Okay. Um he had he had like hair swept in front yes, of Yes, I remember this. And eyeliner if I remember right. Was it for a movie? It was for like a like a documentary. Mm, um, I remember that movie? hairstyle. Why do I remember it but I don't remember it? Like oh, I it, it got memory hold. I'm not joking. Um it's I mean it's easy to find now, but like there was a time on the internet where like you could search and you would find information, but like you couldn't like you would find people talking about it, but not the actual content. Uh, now you can Google and you'll see like some of the songs, and it's it's really great. But why? So what he was trying to do it for a fake documentary? They wanted to make a movie where he played Chris Gaines, so just like a, like a film, and then um, then that there was also going to be an album to they, they wanted to release the album that they had made along with that, and and then also they did like a VH1 fake documentary uh to to drum up hype for that movie also and the whole thing just kind of got after the album came out and i think didn't do super they just kind of like kibosh the whole thing look at the soul patch i think he should bring it back oh my gosh that's amazing i only remembered that when you said that like and now that i brought it up it's all it comes back to me you're gonna see him in your in the definitely nightmares right it definitely while friends in low places is playing <laughs> it's a great one what is the short version of Baby Girl by Sugarland? So that song is like this girl who grows up and then like does amazing things and is able to bring it back to her mom and dad. Like that's the version of the song. And it was always like this another growing up anthem. And I used to tell my mom that this is this is the song I'm going to play for you when I'm president of the United States. Um, Not too late. Back. Right, right, right. But it's, it is uh, this feel good of a girl who goes away and joins a band and she's poor and she's doing all these things and then things work out. 
That was her fourth song, people listening, in case you're wondering mm. why I just sprung yeah, that. Yeah, I, I did put an alternate because I was struggling. Yeah, well, you, you put runner-up. I was struggling. And one of the questions we sometimes ask is, do you have a fourth song that almost made it? So since you gave it to us, I figured I'd better give you the chance. <laughs> um, any bands or musicians that have come into your life recently that you want to give a shout-out to? Besides Camp with two A's? Camp is a good one. Um, definitely I'm on like a Zach Bryan... Noah Khan. I'm on my I, I'm in my singer songwriter like indie era for sure. Um, so any of those. I mean Zach Bryan's somewhere, what is it? Something in the orange. Like that whole out everything on there is incredible. Noah Khan just was nominated for Best New Artist. Um, but I'm I'm really into that. And I'll always stick with my seventies, eighties, maybe early nineties. What would your 14-year-old self think of who you are today and what you've done since 14 till now? She would be very, very proud. She would be very proud. She would, she'd be a little confused by the optimism. Um, I was going to call you out on that. She would be confused. She would be confused by, you know, the profession probably because it's so different, but she would be extremely proud. Um, would she be less surprised if you weren't here and you were still in the you know previous roles that you played, or just in general the yeah. fact that you weren't playing soccer and bartending? Yeah, and, and I was going to be in the FBI. I mean, I was pretty much on a track. So the fact that I you know went to help people and was leading addiction treatment rehabs, no, she she was that was not in the the deck for her hmm. at all. All right, it is time for you to recommend three people. Besides, two people besides Sarah Owen, I guess. Yeah, Sarah Owen is on the list. Okay, I got to think of two other people. I mean, he told me to do this and I still am not ready. Um, do they have to be like leaders of something? No, they could be anybody. There are no rules. All you do is just pr promise that you'll share this episode with them. Okay. And then try to connect us to them. Okay. I am going to go first with the friend route from someone from Pennsylvania. I'm talking with her later. Her name is Trish Caldwell. Okay. Um, she is definitely different from me, but is the chief clinical officer for treatment centers. I'd okay. love to hear her answers. Um, I kind of want to choose my brother. Fine. All right, but he's probably not going to do it, but we'll choose him. That's fine. Okay, so Joe Bellamarch is getting Joe, you're listening uh, he may right. not even listen. He, he's a sister, so he definitely won't on, listen I've to it. I've already picked right. on the vibe. He's probably not even listening. I'll send to him me just right this now. clip. <laughs> but yeah, he was because his musical taste is so different that it would be really interesting to hear that. Okay, so the two of them and Sarah, and maybe we could do Sarah here. Even though I she would love really that. Work here anymore. And honestly, if we can add the rest of this team on here, but Tessa would be a good one. There'd be some other good Tessa's ones in this done building. It. She's done it. Oh yeah. All right. Okay. Dixie chicks. Oh, that's a great, great. That's what popped into my head. That's a good one. Okay. But yeah, definitely. Uh, you've done it, Don. Any final thoughts you want to leave us with? That was incredible. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Calligan is host and online content producer. Our production assistant is Jared Gonzalez. Christophus is executive producer. And our theme song was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's parting tune, we're going back to February or so of 2018 when Richard and I began dreaming up this show. We'd recorded his pilot episode and got the go-ahead to start making the podcast, so I reached out to an old musician friend named Dave Cowan. 
His moniker among friends and fans is Dave Dave Dave, or Triple D. He was living in St. Pete and had been collaborating with musician and recording studio owner Stick Martin. I said we needed a song that riffed on three as a magic number, was catchy, and featured a kazoo. About a week later, they sent us their first stab at it, which Richard and I knew immediately would require no further stabs. So this week's parting tune is the Three Song Stories theme song on this, our six-year anniversary. Please keep listening for the next six years. <laughs> 